Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Leviticus chapter 15. The book of Leviticus chapter 15. Um, a little uh, precursor message to the sermon is that this topic is somewhat adult-natured. If you have uh, kids, you know, it, it's up to you if you want to have them listen. My recommendation is that you do have them listen. Um, uh, we're going to discuss some very important issues, uh, issues that are a problem in the church today. Uh, adult-natured in terms of sexual sin, um, and when I say uh, allow your kids, that's totally up to you. Uh, you might want to hit pause and just, you know, have adult only or, you know, maybe listen to it adult only. And then, you know, maybe depending on the age of your kids, I don't know. But here where I live in the Western United States, they're doing sex education to kindergartners. Um, so, you know, it's the world that we live in. It's totally different than it was 20 years ago, even just five years ago. Uh, we live in a sexually charged society. Uh, some of the things that I that we're going to discuss and that I'm going to bring up, uh, they're going to be very hard hitting. And I have to say a little message to my beautiful, beautiful brothers in Christ. I love you guys. Okay, I love you guys more than you possibly know, and I pray for you. Some of you guys I don't even know, uh, and and I pray for you, um, women the same as well you know i'm going to say some things that are going to be painful and i love you as well and i pray for you um very important subject matter historically what we're going to discuss today historically speaking these are subject matter where people have left me before in the past after hearing a message like this but even still things need to be said truth needs to be taught and understood what the bible teaches us about certain topics even when they hit hard you know and this particular topic is about bodily discharge um, so we're gonna touch on that today um, so you know I, me personally I have to be somewhat careful uh, because I'm callous to the things of this world I've uh, my my Egypt uh, what the Lord brought me out of I in my days before Christ very uh, well averse to the things of the world, the carnal nature. And that was what the Lord rescued me from. So I have to be careful. Um, so let's look at what happens here in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean, it's defiled. And what is discharge here? Discharge here, it's a verb. In the Hebrew, it's to flow out, to have a sexual flux, to flow freely, and to waste away. In applicationally speaking, when you look at some of the rabbinical texts, it uh, refers to a venereal disease, sexually transmitted disease. Um... Other applicational, uh, in, in rabbinical history, applicationally speaking, it's uh, uh, the flow of semen, but not in a uh, sexual intercourse type of manner. And it speaks very highly of masturbation. Masturbation. And, you know, we're going to touch on some very sensitive issues. Um, and it's a big problem in the church today, pornography. 
the rise of pornography in our culture, and it is not sparing the church, not sparing the flock of God. And pornography is a cancer in the church today. Uh, it's a cancer in the church. It's a cancer in the home. It's a cancer in the heart. It's things of the carnal nature. Pornography is one of many, but this is something that is growing majorly in the church today. I think it's very interesting how in the Hebrew it's to this discharge, it's to flow out, to have a sexual flux, to flow freely and to waste away. Very interesting how the Hebrew captures that, to waste away. Have you ever seen somebody that's a sex addict and they're just strong? It's like they're not even human. They're like animal. It's almost like you can see it in their eyes. You know, they're like, like primitive. You know, it's how women are objectified, men are objectified. You know, females to males, males to females, and you know, same sex nowadays. The objectification of another person for sexual pleasure, and you see it getting younger. You know, you see uh, uh, pedophilia, which is a problem in the church today. You have these sick ministry leaders, sick pastors, sick elders, sick youth leaders, and they prey upon the young ones. It's very interesting how this was a problem in Israel, just like it's a problem in the church today. And I love how the Lord addresses it. Straight up. He says, when any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean or defiled. And you see how it's this sexual flux to include venereal diseases or sexually transmitted diseases. Now, in verse 16, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in verse 16 says, if any man has an emission of semen, but in the Hebrew, it's copulative in a sexual intercourse type of, you know, uh, means. And so that's the differentiation between verse 2 and verse 16. One is sexual intercourse, male-female, and then the other is a discharge. And look what the Lord has to teach us about this in verse 3. It says, And this shall be his uncleanness or his impurity in regard to his discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is stopped up by his discharge. It is his uncleanness, his impurity. You know, when you look at the... Israel, anthropologically speaking, the surrounding nations around Israel, is when they get into the promised land, you see all kinds of different forms of worship of other gods, idolatry, and a lot of this idolatry takes on a sexual nature, just like we see in the early church with, you know, the, uh, 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 the god of fertility, you know, Diana, certain sex gods, nothing new under the sun. And, you know, anthropologically speaking now, you look at all these different uh, 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 idols of these uh, you know, other gods, other peoples that worship other gods. And the whole time the Lord gives instruction to keep his people clean. A means by which a person can transition from unclean to clean again. And so we see here in verse 4. Every bed is unclean or defiled on which he who has the discharge lies and everything on which he sits shall be unclean or defiled. And in verse 5, and whoever touches his bed 
shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Defiled is how it translates. Verse 6, he who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean or defiled until evening. And he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. It's defiled. You see, when you put things in perspective and you see things how the Lord sees, just as he's outlining here in the law, not advocating the law, but it's very interesting how we get a deeper understanding. It's almost like, like it's, it's almost like it's contagious, the defilement. You know how Paul writes to the church in Corinth? There's this major sexual sin in the church. A guy, they're, they're worshiping the Lord in church. And there is a guy who's having sex with his dad's wife. Sexual relations with his mother-in-law. Inside the church. Not outside the church, inside the church. And Paul catches wind of it. He writes a letter. He says, you guys, your rejoicing isn't a good thing. Your rejoicing is not good. Why? Because there's leaven in the camp. A little leaven leavens the bunch. Then you read these passages in the law. And you see like, wow, everything that this guy touches is defiled. Bingo. Everything that this guy touches, where he lays down, where he sits, everything, it's unclean. Remember, Jesus, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I never change, saith the Lord. Read Malachi. You see, like, wow, but this is the law. Yes, it's the law. But under grace, it's to abide in Christ, go and sin no more. People say, oh, yeah, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. But you know what? The law is still in effect. Somebody who's abiding in Christ is under grace. And say that individual leaves the confines of grace and starts beating on his wife, cheating on his wife, going back to the crack pipe, going back to the alcohol. All of a sudden, they're no longer under grace. They have left grace. And now they're under the law. And the law, Old Testament and New Testament, is a tutor, a schoolmaster to bring us back to Christ. To bring such an individual back to Christ. For everybody too, non-believers, the law is a schoolmaster to bring people to Christ. But even still, it is possible to ignore the law. And once that happens, God's wrath is made evident on individuals. God's wrath is going to encompass the globe one day. But God's wrath comes upon individuals too. You say, what do you mean? Turn with me really quick to Romans. The book of Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And then he continues and he says, in verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's almost like they're regressing. They're going back into primitive thinking. 
professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 22. In verse 24, God also gave them up. Because they gave up on God, God also gave them up. And then verse 26 starts to indicate everything, how the form of God's wrath upon individuals. Remember, in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. How is that revealed? In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. And he starts to write about lesbianism, homosexuality, bestiality. Verse 28, a debased mind. Verse 29, all kinds of works of the flesh. Verse 31, all kinds of works of the flesh. This is the wrath of God that is revealed on individuals. That's what happens when there's uh, a person ignores the law. Remember, the law is a schoolmaster. The law is still in effect. Still active today. But in Christ, we're under grace. That's for the person that abides in Christ, is under grace. Once you leave that, the confines of grace, the safety net, the, the fence, the fence line of grace, it's the law. And the laws of schoolmaster get you back to where you need to be under grace. And if you ignore that, and you continue to ignore, just like what happened with uh, uh, Pharaoh, Remember, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then all of a sudden, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Judgment. Judgment. I'm not a Calvinist. You know, people say, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, you see? Well, when you read the text, look at all the times Pharaoh hardened his heart. Before God's judgment, when God hardened his heart, when God gave him over. Just like what we see in Romans 1. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Reformed theology. People say, okay, you're Arminianist. No, I'm just the guy who reads his Bible. That's it. It's so beautiful how the Word of God teaches us these things. Today, we're talking hardcore about sexual sin. And the Lord hits home when He talks about discharge, sexual discharge. Speaks about masturbation. Pornography, which is a big problem in the church today, a, a cancer. And you see, it's like, wow, you read these verses in chapter 15 of Leviticus, and you start to read verse 3, 4, 5, 6. It's like, man, this guy, it's like everything he touches becomes defiled. Everything that he touches is dirty, is filthy, is unclean. Look at verse 6. He who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening or defiled. And he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean or defiled until evening. If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean. You say, wow, spit on him? I don't get it. Well, conversationally speaking, have you ever been talking with somebody? And all of a sudden, a little piece of spit, you know, comes off their mouth, you know, they're talking. And it's like, you know, you, sometimes you even see it, you know, you see it, you can feel it. But, you know, sometimes you see it and it's like, boom, it lands on your cheek. You know, it lands on your forehead or something. And you're like, okay, that's gross. Well, that's what's happening here. 
If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Defiled. Until evening. You see, like, man, you read these things of the law and it's like, it's almost easier, you know, to exercise self-control. Bingo. Bingo. Remember, the Lord is teaching through the law, teaching His people to make a differentiation between clean and unclean. That's what we see in all these prior passages. God's people have spent all this time in Egyptian captivity. They're now free, but still in bondage, spiritually speaking. Look at the freedom that, you know, in Western cultures, freedom, liberty. But look at the bondage you see. Look at the vices you see with drugs, with alcohol, with sex. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. Wow, I'm free, I'm free. Remember how we're told, you know, yes, we're free in Christ. Immense freedom in Christ. Only don't use our freedom as license for sin. To make excuse for sin. Shall we sin more so that grace can abound? No way. Don't do that. Certainly not the exclamation point. Which we're going to hit hardcore in our studies in Romans. But this problem with pornography in the church today. It's growing like wildfire. Like wildfire. In the summertime. You ever see wildfire in the summertime when things are hot? Grasses aren't green anymore. They're, you know, yellow and dry. And it just spreads like crazy. That's pornography in the church today. And where there's pornography in the church, you know what else there is? Masturbation. Uncleanness. I was talking to an elder once at, you know, a church that I used to go to, not in California. You know, you hear me mention my old church in California. That's a different church. And I was talking to an elder once about sexual sin in the church. Sexual sin. Pornography. And we're talking like, wow, you know, it's going crazy. Everybody's, you know, doing this, doing that, doing this. He tells me, he says, you know what? You need to be gracious and merciful. It caught me by surprise. Because grace and mercy, it's a gimme. You know, in Christ, it's, it's a gimme. It's, it's what we do. But from a wife's perspective, you know, I'm all for grace and mercy. But I've talked to the crying wives before. I've talked to the destroyed wives before. I've talked to the children who are terrified because their safety net of home is destroyed. And this elder says, oh, you need to be gracious and merciful and loving. And it caught me by surprise because, okay, you know, these are gimmies. And I'm of the camp that believes that there is no greater form of love, grace, and mercy than telling a person the truth. No greater form of love. Giving a person Jesus Christ and the truth of His Word. I mean, if a person's in sin, whatever sin, 
And I withhold truth from that individual because I don't want to hurt his or her feelings. Is that really loving for me to do? People say, oh yeah, let's just love on this person. Let's just love on these people and let God do the rest. Okay. I don't agree with that. But look at what that's produced under that model. Look at how leaven is increasing. Look at how carnality is on the rise. Pornography is one of many issues. I'm not trying to say, you know, beat the sheep kind of thing. But there are some scary, terrifying aspects of truth that are very convicting. I've sat in pews before, now in my church in California, where I had to like look under my seat because I thought somebody had a, a fire there. Somebody brought some logs to church, lit them on fire, and under my seat was a big fire. That's how convicted I felt in that church. I didn't like it at the time. But now I look back, I reflect back, and I praise the Lord. Sitting in the pews, my heart felt like it was just going to burst out of my chest, sweating bullets, because everything that that pastor would say, he would just have his eyes in his Bible. He'd look up every now and then and give a little commentary and teach and expound and look at other passages and continue going through the Word. And I would follow along and I realized, man, my problem isn't with this guy, the teacher. My problem is with the Word of God. And I was sweating bullets. I felt like there was a, a bonfire under my seat. And it forced me to my knees in repentance. We live in a generation today where people do not like to be confronted with sin. People do not like to be confronted with their error. When you read Proverbs, yeah, that's brotherly love. The counsel of fools versus the counsel of the wise. Yes, it's painful. You say, oh yeah, you know, don't judge lest you be judged. Amen. I'm not going to condemn anybody to hell. Nobody can do that, only Jesus Christ. That's, you know, judge not lest you be judged. But then when you keep reading the passage, the Lord teaches us, take the plank out of your own eye. Take the plank out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help another brother, to help another sister, to correct another person. So this elder, I'm having this conversation with this elder about the rise of pornography in the church. And he tells me, you need to be more loving. And I was just saying what I'm saying now. He's like, wow, you know, it's, it's crazy how it's growing like wildfire in the church. Oh, you need to be more loving. You need to be more gracious and mercy. And it, it really shocked me. And then it, something dawned on me. I asked him point blank. You're compromised, aren't you? You're compromised, aren't you? Silence. He said not a word. He didn't have to. I got my answer right there. He himself was compromised. Biblically speaking, he himself was disqualified. Disqualified to be an elder. And yet he was an elder. Because of his problem with pornography. Pastors... Elders, it doesn't matter. Worship leaders, 
people think like, you know, if you're a pew Christian, you say like, wow, you know, this guy is my pastor. Wow, this guy's an elder. Wow, let's, you know. We're all in the same boat when it comes to these carnal battles. Some people lose battles. I've tried it both ways. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't say both ways. I've tried it all four ways. I've been a non-believer. I've been cold. I've been lukewarm. And I've been on fire. So I'm telling you from experience. I've, I've tried all angles. Non-believer. Cold. Lukewarm. And hot. And I'm telling you from experience. The best way. The better way is to be on fire for the Lord. Turn with me really quick, really quick, to Galatians chapter 6. He's like, man, that's pretty hardcore to say that this elder is unqualified. Well, read the pastoral letter letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. And you'll see what he says about leadership in the church. It's not to be taken lightly at all. You look at the Old Testament, look at the priests that the Lord killed. I'm not saying, you know, kill pastors, kill elders. You know, they're going to they're gonna stand before the Lord. That's for Him to determine. But it's pretty hardcore when you read the Old Testament, how the Lord took the life of uh, uh, Aaron's two sons because of profane fire. What were they doing? Were they just going through the motions? Did they not regard the things of the Lord as holy? They offered profane fire when they shouldn't have. And the fire consumed them. Look at Eli and his two sons. Wicked, wicked sons. Can you imagine a female coming to one of Eli's sons and saying, Hey priest, I think I'm unclean. I think I have leprosy. There's this little sore I have or this thing that's growing on my skin. And one of Eli's wicked sons, you know, okay, come over here. Come, let's step aside. Okay, now show me. And because he's carnal, you know what's going on in his dirty mind? When a female starts to show, like reveal skin, who knows where it was on the body? But in obedience, the female is doing it unto the Lord. It's all unto the Lord. But then you have Eli's wicked sons. And Eli was, you know, the high priest. And he wanted to be his son's friend. He did not discipline his kids. And because he didn't fear the Lord, look what happened to the kids. They have no fear of the Lord. A woman, hey, priest, I think I have, you know, leprosy. Thinking that the priest is going to, you know, check things out and see if it's in fact leprosy. Unbeknownst to her, he really is checking her out. Carnally speaking. You see how the Lord doesn't play games with these things? And then you understand, you know, when the Lord takes their lives, you understand why. Because God is not mocked. He is not mocked. Look at Galatians 6 verse 1. Paul writes, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, not just sexual sin, any trespass, you who are spiritual, you know what that translates as? You who are non-carnal. It could be a pastor, it can be an elder, it can be anybody in Christ. 
You say like, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an elder. I'm just a regular Christian. Praise the Lord. A regular Christian, you know, there's no, I mean, you could say you're a regular Christian, but, you know, I read the Bible. There's a lot of regular people that are my heroes that I read about in the Bible. It just so happens that, you know, just like Philip, Philip, the evangelist, he was a regular guy. And then, you know, he was selected. The Lord says, man, I'm going to use this guy. All of a sudden, he served in tables. And then all of a sudden, he became an evangelist. And then he had a little rapture experience. Remember, he you know baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. And then all of a sudden, boom, disappeared. Rapture. The Lord took him to the beach. And he you know, had a little homestead in Caesarea. And he has his four beautiful daughters who are prophetesses. Just like Eli, his non-fear of the Lord, and it trickled down to his sons who didn't fear the Lord. Look at beautiful Philip and his beautiful daughters. An evangelist with prophetess daughters. Non-carnal. Philip and his daughters. And so look what happens here. If any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are non-carnal, restore such a one. Restore. Translates in the Greek as to mend, equip, and repair. That's what comes with non-carnal. A non-carnal nature, a spiritual nature filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord. You're now able to mend, equip, and repair and restore such a one, one who is overtaken in any trespass in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. It's a military term. To consider yourself, it's to observe and contemplate, but as a, 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 in a military sense, in an observation type of sense. It's hardcore stuff. I mean, if my car is broken down, if you have a car that's broken down, say like we're driving, and my car, you see smoke coming out of the hood, smoke coming in through the vents, smoke coming out the back, it's just all over the place, and all of a sudden it dies. And we push it. And we, where are we going to push it to? Am I going to push it to a burger joint? Are we going to push it to a burger joint, pull it in a parking spot, go inside? Uh, you know, a worker says, you know, can I take your order? And I say, yeah, my car's busted. Can you help me out here? Can you fix it for me? It's foolishness to suggest such a thing. Am I going to go to a hot dog stand? You know, how you like your hot dog? What do you want on your hot dog? Can you fix my car? It's foolishness. No, we're going to go to a qualified repairman. One who is able to mend, to equip, and to repair and restore. Because my car is busted up. What about when your heart is busted up? What about when you are overtaken in any trespass? What about when you are overtaken in sexual sin? And you're going to go to an elder who is sexually compromised. You're going to go to a pastor who is sexually compromised. Because they have the same sexual issues or maybe even worse. 
you know, pastors who say, oh yeah, we're going to go on a mission trip, but before we go to Mexico, you know, you guys stay here, we're going to go like an advanced party and just, you know, get all the logistics taken care of over there, and then the pastors disappear for a couple weeks. And it's later found out that they were doing all kinds of sex, drugs, rock and roll. On a mission trip, so-called mission trip. No fear of the Lord. And they call it the work of the Lord. It's not the work of the Lord at all. So when I'm having this conversation with this elder, so oh yeah, you need to be more loving, you need to be more, more gracious, more merciful. And I was shocked. Because those are gimmies in the faith. Had a little pause and I asked him, you're compromised, aren't you? And he was silent. That was my answer. And this is a guy who's done marriage counseling. Counseled people on their own sexual addictions. He wasn't non-carnal. He was carnal. The biblical model as well of what is outlined for being an elder in Timothy, first and second Timothy, even Titus, pastoral leadership, leadership as a shepherd, were not being followed. And I don't say this to, you know, in the high horse kind of sense. I say this as we're losing. We're losing. Because it's like cancer used to, or, or, or pornography used to be like a stage two cancer, then a stage three cancer. And I believe today we're a stage four cancer, the body of Christ, because of pornography. How can the power of the Holy Spirit, you know how people say, uh, people say, oh yeah, the, the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. That was for that dispensation. You will never read in the Bible an expiration date on the work of the Holy Spirit. Never. Never will you read about an expiration date. When somebody tells me that, the first thing that comes to mind is that they're compromised. Because the Holy Spirit isn't doing that kind of work is what we see in the book of Acts. Because he's trying to do the work inside of you. Inside of that individual. That's why you and me, we both have to yield to the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his work inside of each and every one of us. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts really bad. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says, Now no joy, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see? That's why Paul writes this. You who are non-carnal, you're the one to restore such a brother. You're the one to restore such a sister. You're the one to mend, repair, and equip you, Christian. 
in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Turn with me really quick to the book of or the Psalms. Psalm 66. Psalm 66. In Psalm 66, one verse. Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's a hardcore verse. I don't want the Lord to not hear me. I don't want the Lord to ignore my prayers. I don't want the Lord to ignore your prayers. Oh, man. Well, you read verse 18 and he really drives the point home. Don't play games with the Lord. If I regard iniquity, that alone is disobedient unto the Lord. If I regard iniquity. You know why? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And what happens? What's going on in my mind? What's going on in your mind? And then I read verse 18 of Psalm 66. The Lord won't hear me? What? Yeah, that's what happens if you regard iniquity in your heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart. People talk about all kinds of sin, sexual sin. The manifestation of sin, which is bad. It's terrible. I'm not reducing it at all. It is terrible. Especially for a wife. Talk to the wives. The crying wives. Wives who you can't even, you know, their voices are, you can't even make out words because they're just shattered. They're trying to speak, but they're crying and they're trying to breathe and they're just a mess. I've talked to these wives before. That's what happens. You know, the, the manifestation, yes, it's terrible. But you hit the rewind button. You look at the manifestation of sexual sin. But hit the rewind button. Say a month prior, six months prior, a year prior, two years prior. What's going on in his mind? He's already disobedient. Because he's not bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He's not meditating on whatever is true, noble, just, pure. Lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Those are things that are he's not even meditating on. You know what he's meditating on? Pornography. He's meditating on, you know, whatever he's got going on on the side. Whoever he's got going on the side. Whoever, number one, whoever, number two, whoever, number three. Those are things that he's meditating on. Already Disobedient. The manifestation is the manifestation. But what's going on in the mind? The regard for iniquity. What is the Lord's response if a person regards iniquity? What does he say here in Psalm 66 verse 18? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's hardcore. This is hardcore stuff. 
Turn with me again to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. Verse 13. Malachi 2.13, and this is the second thing you do. Malachi almost reads like a legal, uh, like a, 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 um, a legal brief or like a, an indictment. If you've read an indictment, it's like, you know, the accusation and it's like, whoa, this is hardcore. In verse 7, Malachi chapter 2 verse 7 says, For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, but you have departed from the way. What is the way? Jesus Christ, the word of God, his truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, he says, but you have not kept my ways. And so he says in verse 13, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. Now you read that and you're like, wow, look at this godly guy. Look at this godly man. He goes to the altar of the Lord. He, you know, he's, he has his tears. He's weeping. He's crying. He's praying unto the Lord. He brings his offering unto the Lord in accordance to the law. Wow, look how holy this guy is. But look what was written here. So he, speaking about the Lord, so God does not regard the offering anymore. In other translations, it says he looks away, he turns away from the offering. Nor receive it with goodwill from your hands, nor receive it with delight and pleasure is how it translates. It's like, whoa, that's hardcore. But Lord, this guy is holy. Look, he, he has his offering, Lord. Lord, look, he has his offering, just like the law says. He's weeping. He's crying. I see his tears. I can hear his prayers. Lord, and you're looking away. You're turning away. You have no delight or pleasure in that. Why? Verse 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness. The Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. Whoa. Whoa. How is it, oh husband, how is it that you treat your wife at home? Not in public. Not in church. At home. When nobody's watching. How is it that you treat your wife when your kids are watching? Then you understand why your daughter has a crummy boyfriend. Why your son is a crummy boyfriend. Because you set the bar really low. You set the standard. You taught by example. Ungodliness. Unrighteousness. And the Lord has been witness. You go to church. You have a, you know, a certain face. A certain facade. But that's all it is. It's a facade. And the Lord is witness. Scratch the kids. Between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Which translates as this, it's hardcore. To act covertly, to pillage and rob using violence. You say, well, that's not me. That's not me, really. I've talked to the wives. 
I've spoken to wives whose husbands had little flings on the side. Husbands who were caught in the act of adultery. Husbands who thought, oh yeah, it's okay, I can look. Look, but don't touch. Yeah, it's okay. I've talked to these wives. Can barely make out their sentences. Said, it's okay, just cry it out. It's okay. Just cry it out. And you know what? We'll cry together. The Lord has been witness to all of these things. These wives, they've been dealt with treacherously. They've been pillaged. They've been robbed violently. Look at what he says here. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. By covenant. Because, oh yeah, it's just marriage. It's just a piece of paper. It's no bit. No, it's a covenant. Oh, it's just a piece of paper. I can go to the, you know, the courthouse or not go to the courthouse. It's no big deal. It's, you know, it's still under the law of man. It's a covenant. Between you, your wife, and the Lord. Me personally, I kind of feel bad for women. I kind of feel bad because there's a lot of pressure, you know. I got to look good, you know. I got to, you know, a lot of husbands, they impose it on their wives. Why don't you go to the gym? Why don't you work out? Why don't you wear your makeup? Do your hair like this. Do your eyelashes. Buy these fake eyelashes. Husbands, the sickos, they watch the dirty movies. They're strung out on pornography, and then they tell their wives, okay, you have to perform like this, sexually. You have to look like this, you have to dress like this, and you know, you have to work out. And sexually speaking, you have to perform like this. Disgusting. Our old pastor in California, he said he used to do the marriage counseling. And there was a wife who was like faithful to her husband. And she's, she died of AIDS. She got AIDS from her husband. She's dead now. You see? Innocent. She didn't do anything. She was pillaged and robbed. Violently by her husband. Dead. Died of AIDS. We'll see her one day. But I feel bad for women because there's this, you know, a lot of carnal husbands. Oh, yeah, you got to look like this. You got to work out, you know, put on your fake eyelashes, dress like this, perform like this sexually. And some pastors even say, you know, wives, you can bring your husbands to Christ by doing sexual acts. Disgusting things that emanate from the pulpits these days. You know, don't appease the carnal nature. If you're a wife, don't appease the carnal nature. Because you know what? At age 20, you're not going to be the same at age 80. You're not. You're going to be chubbier. You're going to be wrinklier, more wrinkles. You know, it's like you're, you're moving away from the prime, you know, so to speak. 
carnally speaking, you're getting older. You're you're dying, you know. It's like you're on, you know, you kind of peak at age, I don't know, 30, 35. I don't know, 32 maybe. Eh, 29, around there, you peak. After that, it's all downhill. <laughs> you know, you're getting older. The wrinkles are going to come in. Your hair is going to get gray. You might get chubby. Your eyes are going to fold over. You're going to, you can't see at it anymore. You're going to get older. Carnally speaking, the physical attraction, it's going to dissipate. But you know, we're not rabbits. The Lord, we're human beings. We're not rabbits. I don't, you know, men, they think like, oh yeah, you know, I got to perform like this. I'm going to be a rabbit. I'm going to take this pill. This enhancement, stupid, in the church. But in Christ, it's so beautiful what happens in Christ. Because you could be age 20, and then you're age 30, and then you're age 40, and the whole time you're maturing in Christ. And then you're age 50. Physically speaking, you might get chubby, you're going to get wrinkly. Your hair is going to get gray. Your hair might even fall out. You're going to be 60. You're going to be 70. And because your husband is not carnal, you haven't appeased his carnal nature, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be the most beautiful prized possession. You could be 80 years old. I tell you the truth. You could ask me 25 years ago, who are the five most beautiful people? And you'd look, and I'd say this, 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 and you know, and you'd be like, whoa, you know, like that's pretty carnal. Today, you say, who are the five most beautiful people? Every single person listening would think I'm blind. There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more breathtaking, nothing more gorgeous, nothing more handsome than godliness. Righteousness. Nothing. Remember, I've tried four different ways. I've been a non-believer. I've been cold. I've been lukewarm. And I've been hot. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. More beautiful than righteousness. That's what's so beautiful about getting older in Christ. Maturing in Christ. Only in Christ can you get older. Aged. You know, get, and get more beautiful. Only in Christ. It's because He's the one doing the work inside of you. He is so beautiful. He is so magnificent. He does the work inside of you. You see His trademark in your heart. It's like, wow, this 80-year-old is breathtaking, male or female. And, you know, that's what happens when we move on to perfection. That's why I say don't appease the carnal nature. You know, the husband says, oh yeah, you have to look like this. See this lady on TV? See this lady in the movie? I want you to dress like that. Heck no, that's carnality. Don't appease the carnal nature. Or a husband says, oh yeah, I watched these dirty movies. Now you have to perform like this sexually. Stupid. We're not rabbits. You know, the Lord didn't make us as robots and He didn't make us as rabbits. We're human beings created in the image of God to glorify Him, bring Him glory. 
you know, and then like, you know, wives have to submit to your husbands. But what happens? That's when your husband is in submission to Jesus Christ. You know, there's this movement going on today where it's heavy handed, where, you know, wives submit to your husband. Well, what happens when your husband moves away from Christ? You have new wine being poured into wineskin that is not new wineskin. It's an old wineskin, and you're in submission unto that. And then all of a sudden, the whole start to, you know, eats away at the old wine, the old wineskin. The husband says, oh yeah, let's go do drugs together. Let's go do crack. Are you going to submit to that? No, you submit to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, in so doing, you become the spiritual heavy in your home. In so doing, you can save your husband. But you know what happens? If you start to submit, your husband says, oh yeah, let's go do crack. You say, okay, I'm going to submit to my husband. And you do that? No way. It's like whoever's the heavy in the home, it can be children too. Husband and wife go out into la-la land. No, then, you know, the sons and daughters, they're the heavy spiritual heavies, if they're in Christ. But, you know, marriage in Christ, it's, you know, the wine flows from, you know, God the Father to the Son and then to the husband and to the wife and to the kids. In all, all of them in new wineskin. The husband isn't, doesn't have new wineskin and all of a sudden it's the wife that's the heavy. And you can save your husband. And I have to say something, a little exhortation for wives. Satan can turn your zeal into a foothold. A stronghold in your husband. You know, I've talked to husbands before. Like, oh, I can't stand my wife. She doesn't let me do this, this, this. I can't watch this, this, this. It's like, okay, you know, your wife has a lot of zeal. But don't forget, wife. Don't forget, wife, that Satan is crafty. Crafty, crafty, crafty. He knows how to get your husband. And he'll take your zeal, use it against you, and use it as his foothold. On your husband's heart. And whisper to your husband. Oh you see your wife is. She doesn't let you watch this. Okay. Go work long hours. Oh your, your, your wife doesn't let you do this at home. Okay. Go hang out with your friends. Go to the strip clubs. Go get drunk. Or go, or go to the bars. Satan is crafty. You know what you do wife? You pray hardcore for your husband. You pray, you take the fight, and you take it on your knees, and you fight the good fight. And you pray like crazy for your husbands. Pray like crazy for your sons who are raised. I mean, this, this is such a sexually charged world. I thought it was bad when I was growing up. Man, it's like a hundredfold. It's worse now. Think about what it's going to be like just 10 years from now, five years from now. Think about what it's going to look like. It's going to be nasty. It's already nasty. They got apps. You know, you... you you see somebody you like, male or female. You just click a button. Yeah, let's meet here. GPS. Takes you meet at the hotel. You don't even have to meet at the hotel. You just pinpoint anywhere. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Except the Lord who's been witness. Wives, pray for your husbands. You know, I mean, you could be hardcore and, you know, do, you know, however you're hardcore. Which is a beautiful thing. But just don't forget that Satan can use it as his foothold. You know, because I've talked to the husbands too. Oh, I can't stand my wife. 
So I've written, you should have thought about that. Should have thought about that twice. You know, you said I do, but then you know, hit the rewind button before you said, "Hey, will you marry me?" Should have thought about that, man. Oh man. But now that you're in it, you got to deal with it. <laughs> you got to deal with it and honor the Lord. You know, suck it up. Speaking to the men. Deal with it. This life is just a vapor. You know, it's just a vapor. Husbands go out and do all kinds of crazy things. They go, oh yeah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. No, you're in bondage. Not only that, look at what you're doing to your home. Look at what you've done to your wife. Pillaged and robbed her. Look at what you've done to the kids. Pillaged and robbed them. Innocence gone. Oh, wives fight. Pray like crazy. Pray hardcore. Intercede for your husbands, for your sons, for your daughters too. Because a lot of dads, a lot of husbands, they set the bar so low. Why? Because of this pornography. It's like a cancer, stage four cancer. Inside the church, the world is the world. Inside the church. So let's go back to Leviticus now. In Leviticus um, chapter 15, verse 11, And whomever the one who has the discharge touches and has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening or defiled. The vessel of earth that he who has the discharge touches shall be broken and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in running water. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week and the week prior. Running water. Alive water. An Old Testament example of living water. Just like John 4. The woman at the well. Remember all these things are an example. Like they point to Christ. The fulfillment of the law. And the prophets. Then he shall be clean. So unclean to clean. Verse 14, on the eighth day. Remember the significance of the eighth day. On the eighth day, just like uh, uh, Doubting Thomas, what happened to him on the eighth day? He says, I'm not going to believe unless I see him with my own eyes and I put my finger in his side. What happens on the eighth day? Jesus Christ, boom, right there in the room with them. And he sees. And Jesus tells him, hey, Thomas, come here. Put your finger over here. And Thomas says, I believe. And the Lord says, you know, you believe because you see me, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. That's you and me today. A little special blessings of the Lord. Blessed is he, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. That's you and me. But that all happened on the eighth day. Belief, circumcision, circumcision of heart, which we're going to talk about in our study in Romans. We're going to be there in a couple months. In Christ, it's the only way a female can be circumcised. It's in Christ. Belief. You know, uh, biologically speaking, men are circumcised in accordance to the flesh. But in accordance to the faith, in accordance to belief in Jesus, 
circumcision can apply to women too because it's of the heart belief. And so he says, On the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and give them to the priest. You see, remember how when we started our study in Leviticus, there were these uh, uh, statutes. But who were the first ones to actually perform the statutes? It was the priests. Why? Because they were the vessels. It's not like they were special, like, you know, like any special order or, you know, like above anybody. The same way like pastors, they're not above anybody. We give a higher account, but we're all in the same boat. We're in the same boat. Elders, pew Christians, we're all in the same boat. In Christ, there's no male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. In Christ, the Lord is no respecter of persons. But the priest still has a job to do, a role to play. They were the first ones to you know, perform the, the offerings, a sin offering. The very first ones because they were the vessels that were going to be used for the cleansing of God's people. The cleansing. And two of them were consumed by fire. Aaron's sons. And so the priesthood, they were the means by which people would be clean. They were without hypocrisy. And we're going to see hypocrisy start to, you know, it, 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 it starts to grow. Not here, but in future chapters. And you're going to see carnality rise within the priesthood. And you know what you're going to see? The Lord is going to clean house. Judgment. Just like what happened to Eli and his sons. What does Brother Peter write to us? Judgment comes first in the house of God. And then judgment is going to come upon the earth. But judgment comes first in the house of God. It's a hardcore stuff. And so look what happens here. In verse 14, Then the priest shall offer them the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. That's the purpose. The priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. It's all before the Lord. Notice the door in verse 15. It says, and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. That's why you hear me mention, like anytime you see a door in the Old Testament, just look, like, look around what's happening in context, what's happening around that passage. Because I would say maybe 70, 65, 70% of the time, it's a little picture of Jesus Christ and what happens at the door. Remember, he's the one who says, I am the door. These are things that the Pharisees should have caught up on. Instead of the Pharisees, you know, they might have talked to the Lord, talked to Jesus, maybe, you know, one time, two times, three times before they fell on their faces and said, wow, the Messiah is here. But they were blind. Blind and deaf. They didn't understand the time of their visitation. The religious establishment did not understand the time of their visitation. The religious establishment was deaf and blind. You know what it's going to be like at the second coming of Christ? 
the religious establishment will be blind and deaf. And if the blind follow the blind, then both will fall into a ditch. Those are the words of our Lord. But the whole purpose is to get people from unclean to clean. I don't care about, you know, people say, oh yeah, I, I can't come to Christ, you know, because I've done all kinds of sin. Praise the Lord. You need the, the, you need Jesus Christ. You, you know, praise the Lord that, you know, we, we're having this chat, brother, that we're having this chat, sister. You say, but man, that you're, you're hurting me. This is like, it's such a painful topic because I myself am, you know, I'm caught up in pornography. You know what? Repent. And get hardcore with your sin. Get hardcore with your sin. You might have to move your computer, get it out of your private room, put it in an open room. Get a flip phone. Get a little cheesy phone. Get a cheap phone plan, no data. You know, change your Facebook, change your social media. Cancel it, get rid of it. Get hardcore. I've tried it, remember, I've tried it all four ways. I've been non-believer, I've been cold, I've been lukewarm, and I've been hot. I'm telling you, the best way, the better way is to be hot on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16, if any man has an emission of semen. Now this is copulative, it's actual sexual intercourse. In the Hebrew, it's the laying of seed. The laying of seed. Levi. The Bible teaches us that Levi paid tithes when he wasn't even born. Wow, that's impossible. Yes, it is true. Levi paid tithes when he wasn't even born. You know how? He was in the loins of Abraham. That's what we read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. He was in the loins of Abraham. Have regard for your seed, men. Oh, man. Have regard for your seed. I've talked to men before. Oh, I got my girlfriend, you know, young, young men. I got my girlfriend. It's okay. She's on birth control. That's even worse. She's on birth control so we won't get caught. We won't get in trouble with anything. What? The Lord is witness. Your seed goes out of your body and into her. And, you know, that's a vessel of death because she's taking a pill. She's on birth control. God has his order. Marriage. Marriage. Keep the marriage bed holy. Keep the marriage bed pure. You know, have sex. Within the confines of marriage, keep the marriage bed holy. Keep your mind holy. Be obedient to, to Christ. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And everything will be well with you. You read about the blessings of the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. They'll be with you. He'll be with you. He'll shower you with His blessings. He'll protect you. You want to be disobedient? Then, you know, there's passages about, you know, like it's almost like less blessings, less blessings, less blessings, and then it turns to curses and curses and curses. 
when you see people caught up in sin. It's like their their blessings, they're like on cloud nine, and then their blessings like cloud five, cloud one, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, below ground. It's the ups and downs. Be obedient. You know, people say, oh yeah, I've talked to these guys before. Oh yeah, you know, it's okay, she's on birth control. I say, what? What are you talking about? That's even worse. Because your seed goes out of you into her and dies. You have no regard for your seed. When the Lord has regard for his seed, for your seed. Remember, Levi paid tithes when he wasn't even born. That's what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 9. 9 and 10. And then the guys show me the picture. They say, yeah, but look at her. Look at her. I don't care. That's even worse. That's even like more of a lie because she looks one way, but look at her behavior. Satanic. Whoa, that's too hardcore. You know, I talk to guys, they say like, you know, oh, I still got it, you know, walking around, you know, a girl says something, say, well, I still got it, you know. I'm a 50-year-old guy, I'm old and chubby, but I still got it. No, that's Satan. He wants to get you to fall and you're taking the bait. Don't take the bait. So look what happens here in verse 16. If any man, if any man has an emission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean until evening. And any garment and any leather on which there is semen, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. Also, when a woman lies with a man and there is an emission of semen. Now, verse 18, how when it is like I read out of the New King, New King James Version. But when it says here, also, when a woman lies with a man and there is an emission of semen, when you look at it in the Hebrew, it flows more like when there is emission of semen, the woman also. So... You read verse 18, it says, Also, when a woman lies with a man and there's an emission of semen. That's the New King James. But in the Hebrew, it flows a little different. It's when there is an emission of semen, then, you know, the man has something to do, and then the woman has something to do. What is it? It says, They shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days, and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. This is almost like a... a, 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 a a, a, a little picture of what we already studied in chapter 12 about the menstrual cycle, the flow of blood for women. In verse 20, everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes Close and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days with every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. And every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. Verse 25 is a big deal. Verse 25 uh, to, almost to, to verse 30. It's a big deal because, you know, it, we have a picture, like in, a passage in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, about the woman with the flow of blood. The woman with the flow of blood. She couldn't be healed. 
She couldn't be healed. For a long time she had it. And so look what happens here. This is in accordance with the law. So what we read in verse 25, we're going to see what she performed. This, this woman with the flow of blood, the problem with the blood, she couldn't get it to stop. And we're going to see what she did in accordance with the law. We're going to see what she did. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Talk about being ostracized from society. Remember, she, like, she was unclean, so like, she couldn't come near anybody. Totally ostracized from society. This is the woman with the flow of blood in Matthew 9. In verse 26, Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity, and whatever she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. Twelve years. When you read the scriptures in Matthew 9, twelve years. That's how long she had the problem. This flow of blood. Flow of blood. Picture, you know, she goes to the priest. You know, priests, you know, something's wrong. She goes to the doctors. You know, doctors, something's wrong. When you read the account in the book of Mark, she goes to like the best doctors. She spent all her money on doctors. The priests failed. The doctors failed. The top doctors failed. For 12 years, she had this flow of blood. Me personally, I believe it was one year for every tribe. Indicative of their impurity. That's what I think, you know, I, very rarely do I throw in like my opinion on, you know, I'll have like a little commentary, but sometimes I'll say, well, you know, it's not really stated, but that's what I think. So I'm just laying it out there. That's what I think. One year for every tribe of Israel. Me personally, that's, that's my leaning. 12 years. Verse 27. Whoever touches Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. See, she's like a straight up social pariah. You know, don't touch her. She's unclean. Picture that for 12 years being ostracized. You know, we have social distancing now. People go five months with social distancing and they're going crazy. Think about the woman for 12 years. Socially distanced, ostracized from culture. And she followed the law. She was obedient unto the law. And so in verse 28, But if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. On the eighth day uh, she shall take for herself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest. Remember the responsibility of the priest. Today, what is the responsibility of the pastors? To the pastors, it's like the whole objective is to, you know, cleanse. Get somebody from unclean to clean. That's the objective. Unclean to clean. And how are they cleansed? The Word of God. Prayer. A pastor interceding for the flock that the Lord has allowed him to tend to. Praying. Just like our study in Acts 20. I'm a strong believer that the pastor's place is outside the camp. 
outside the camp based on what we studied in Acts 20 at the Miletus meeting. I'm a firm believer in that, outside the camp. Protection of the flock for the savage wolves, against the savage wolves. It's hardcore truths that the Lord teaches us. We're talking about like sexual sin. This discharge, the flow of blood, and exemplified in the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years. Who is it that healed her? Not the priests. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, straight up. He says here, in the law, in verse 29, and bring them to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You see? So, you know, this bleeding woman, for 12 years, she went to the priest, she went to doctors, she went to many doctors, as it is accounted in the book of Mark. They all failed. All failed. Maybe the priests were compromised. Maybe they were, you know, compromised themselves. Doctors incapable. And yet she was still faithful for 12 years. Can you imagine? Year one, if you're a female and, you know, you say you have your menstrual cycle for the whole year. I mean, not just like, you know, you know, like the normal, but like all year. And you go to the priests, you go to the doctors and nothing's happening. You spend all your money on the top doctors and it's year two, year three. Nothing's happening. It's the same flow of blood, flow of blood. What will your faith look like? Will your faith have waned? Would your faith have decreased in light of no healing? Look at this woman. Year one, year two, year three, four, five, six, and her faith is growing even more. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Her faith is like hardcore. How hardcore? She says, No. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. That's it. He doesn't need to speak to me. But my faith is so strong that I just need to touch the, the hem of his garment and I know I'll be healed. And so she goes to the crowd reaches, 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 and boom, touches the hem of his garment, and the Lord stops in his tracks. He looks to his disciples, who touched me? Who touched me? They thought he was kind of joking. They were like, you know, that's, Lord, like, everybody's touching you. Look at the crowds. Everybody's bumping into you. Their hands are going. He says, no, who touched me? I felt power come out of me. And then the woman, ostracized from culture, unclean in accordance to the law. Lord, it was me. Lord, it was me. Man, her faith was like, she would have been my hero in, in like five months in. Now it's like 12 months later, it's like, whoa, what a beautiful woman. Lord, it was me. I touched you. He says, be of good cheer. Your faith has healed. Your faith has made you well. So we look at these passages in the law, but understand that they're all a shadow of the things to come. But I love how the Lord puts things in perspective for us as new covenant believers because we can understand his character, his nature, and his heart 
in a deeper sense. If you're a man and you have issues with pornography, repent. Repent. Go and sin no more. When you're tempted, look for the way of escape. The Lord always provides a way of escape. You might be chubby, you know. You're tempted, go eat some chips. You're tempted, go for a walk. You know, maybe do a combo, you know. You're tempted, go eat chips. You're tempted, go for a walk. And then after a while, you realize, man, you know, I'm really not a rabbit. I'm really, I really am a human being. I'm not a rabbit. Praise be to the Lord. You know what wives do? Wives are like sex slaves in their own homes. Because their pastor, their carnal pastor tells them, their carnal elder tells them, whenever your husband wants to have sex, you got to, you got to do it. Otherwise, he's going to go into sin. He's going to go do his pornography. So it's like the wife's fault. Man, you know, you know what if you just want to relax on the couch, you know? And your husband says, boom, I'm getting tempted. Oh, you're like a sex slave in your own home. Stupid counsel. Stupid counsel. No, the husband has to realize, I'm not a rabbit. Understand how the Lord sees your seed, man. Understand how the Lord sees your semen, oh man. Have regard for your loins. Just like the Lord has regard for your loins. Who knows the next generation of righteousness that's going to emanate from your loins? Who knows? The Lord knows. And you can still be faithful to the Lord who bought you with His blood. Wives, don't be a sex slave. It's crazy what's going on in the church today. It's all preparation for the last days. All preparation for the revealing of the Antichrist. And he's hard at work. The spirit of the Antichrist. Because the only ones who can identify are the Christians. The last days, what do you have? You have uh, the false church. You have the apostate church. And then you have the wise church. Those are your three choices. The false church, the apostate church, and then the wise church. Three choices. Take your pick. Take your pick. It's not a social club. It's a training ground. That's what it is. And so look what happens here in... uh, Verse 30, then the priest shall offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the discharge of her uncleanness. So what do you have? It's so beautiful. Verse 15, verse 15 at the end. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. Verse 30, the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the discharge of her uncleanness. Those are the priestly duties. To take a person, male, female, from unclean to clean. Same with pastoral duties. Old Testament and New Testament. Unclean to clean. Pastors bringing people to Jesus Christ. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder listening to my voice, you cannot be compromised. You cannot be compromised. You know why? 
Look at all the uncleanness that's going on in the church today. If you're responsible for that uncleanness, then you know you need to repent and maybe even step down. But you need to repent. Because we're in the last days straight up. And judgment comes first in the house of God. Get things right. Get God's house in order. Not your house. It's God's house. Get it in order. What is that order? What's written in the word of God? People, souls. They need cleansing. They need the blood of Jesus Christ. They need the truth of his holy word. Give them truth. If they leave you, if they hate you, that's on them. I can't tell you how many people hate me. A lot of people hate me. They've told me, I hate you. <laughs> they tell me straight up, you know what? Uh, threaten me with money. Uh, I'm thinking about leaving the church and you know, uh, I'm not going to you're not going to get these tithes anymore. So I think you should probably not say things like this anymore. So, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want you to go, but I have to teach. Then they leave. I don't want your money. To be clean before the Lord. That's what I desire. Because He's coming. He's coming again. The Good Shepherd is coming again. For His sheep. For His lambs. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, you're going to give an account. The same way I'm going to give an account. And it's going to be hardcore. It's no joke. You, need, you cannot be compromised. I say, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, you cannot be compromised. <clears throat> Scratch that. If you're a Christian, don't compromise. Don't compromise in any way, shape, or form. Because restoration needs to happen. Just like we looked at in, in, in Galatians 6, verse 1. If any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are non-carnal. You're the one who is able, biblically speaking, you're the one who is able to restore, mend, equip, and repair such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You're the repairman. You're the repairwoman. Biblically when you're non-carnal, and when you're not compromised. Biblically, you're able. It's part of the equation. 2 plus 2 does not equal 10. 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's the equation. Well, what's the equation in Holy Scripture? The word, what we just looked at. Galatians 6.1. That's the equation. I don't make the rules. I'm just the messenger. Look at verse 31. Thus... In closing, thus, thus you shall separate the children of Israel. It's to set apart and to consecrate. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what the Lord is doing. Setting apart and consecrating a special people for himself. Israel and the bride. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what he's doing. He says, from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness. When, they when, not if, when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. Do you remember our study in, in uh, Exodus 33? In Exodus 33, verse 3, the Lord is saying, you guys go to the land, the, the promised land, but I'm not going to go to you. I'm not going to be there with you. I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to be on the journey. You guys go ahead because you're a stiff-necked people. And if I go with you, I'm going to kill you guys. 
That's a paraphrase, but that's what the Lord says. And then Moses intercedes. Beautiful, beautiful Moses intercedes. And then the Lord says, okay, I'll go with you. Except I'm going to give you new tablets. And these new tablets, I also give you blood. Because it's the law and there's sacrifice. The law with sacrifice. The law with blood. Remember, three times the law was given, the Ten Commandments. First time was verbally. The second time were the two tablets that were destroyed at the golden calf. And then the third set, which is the two tablets. And the third time, it's with blood. So the first time, verbally, in word. The second time, two tablets, no blood. And then the third time, take two tablets with blood. See how beautiful it is? Old Testament example of Jesus Christ. What is it? The Word. What do we have now? The Word became flesh. The Word first. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. You see? It's so beautiful. And then what do we have? Jesus Christ comes again. He's not coming as the, uh, as the Lamb. He's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming to judge. And like, I don't want to put this lightly, but like laying down the law. And there's death in the law. And then it's, it's so beautiful because the Old Testament is a shadow of these things to come. As is written. You know, and it, you look at all the, the, the other peoples, the surrounding peoples. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites. Anthropologically speaking, surrounding Israel is you have all these people and they have all their idols, all their different gods. A lot of sexual things, a lot of like, you know, getting high and doing all kinds of crazy things. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice, sex, all kinds of different kinds of sexual things, disgusting things. And the Lord says, no, you are my special people. I have special rules for you. I'm teaching you how to differentiate between clean and unclean because I'm making you a special people, a consecrated people unto me. Just like what he's doing today with you. You have friends that want to go do crack? No. The Lord is doing something special with you. He wants to make you a very special unto himself. Very special person set apart and consecrated unto him. Your friends want to go to the strip clubs? Your friends want to go, you know, ladies night, go clubbing, get drunk? All kinds of sexual things? Whatever, you know, I, 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 I hit on the big ticket items. But when your friends want to go out and do whatever, anything that brings dishonor to the Lord, you know what you say? No, thank you. No, thanks. Come with me to church. Let's have a little Bible study. Read the Bible with me. Let's listen to this sermon together. Why? Because the Lord is setting you apart. He wants you to be consecrated unto Him. How does it happen? From His Word. Obedience to His Word. And when you're obedient to His Word, you're going to be set apart. The world will hate you. Straight up, they will hate you. Because it, especially now, you know, it's, it's weird. Something weird is happening. It's like the spirit of the Antichrist is getting palpable. You know, 10 years ago, the culture had 
a, they had a better appetite for Christians 10 years ago. Five years ago, it wasn't as bad as, as, as it is now. Today, you talk to the street preachers. It, they get beat up now. now. I'm speaking in Western society. I mean, if you're listening and you're, and you're in the persecuted church, I want you to know that we pray hard for you. I pray for you. I can't imagine the things that you go through waking up and, you know, we pray for you. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse for the church. Stay obedient. Verse 32, in closing, this is the law for one who has a discharge and for him who emits semen and is unclean thereby and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity and for one who has a discharge, either man or woman, and for him who lies with her who is unclean. So male and female uncleanness and then all of a sudden through the law being cleansed being clean in the law for you and me today that happens with christ with christ praise be to the lord we're going to end our study here we'll pick up next week Lord willing in chapter 16 god bless you guys love you guys